something in the background i got something going on in my ears right now what's going on it's <laughs> welcome great. to jets talk all right sorry <laughs> welcome to talk of jets my name's ryan and i'll be your pilot i am joined alongside my co-pilots i've got richie to my this way and i've got matt to my that way we're gonna be without green bean tonight he's feeling a little under the weather but boys how you doing tonight richie i'll kick it to you first Doing great. Always a pleasure to be on the show. I love being here talking some football, talking some Jets with you guys. We're missing Green Bean tonight, of course. Hope he's feeling all right, and I'm excited to get into some Jets talk. I love it. Matt, how you doing over there? Doing okay. I was telling you guys, well, it's a hand up. It's my fault. We're late. Uh, little tech issues on my end. I updated my regular computer uh, today, so I'm using the work laptop right now. But I, I had to make do because we have a lot of Jets and NFL combine stuff to get to. So how to make it work. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Boys, for every 25 likes we get on this video, we're going to pick a qualifier for our t-shirt giveaway. So Nightbot is going to pick two winners. Uh, and if you're tuning in after the fact and you want to get your shot to win a t-shirt next week, all you have to do is leave a comment on this video after it airs and you're entered into next week's stream. All right. We have, all right, let me try to say this name. Without butchering it, whoop, that's a very big thing. Hold on one second. There we go. All right. Shivanshu. Shivanshu. Matt, I need help. Shivanshu. I'm going to say, yeah, Shivanshu Prasad. 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 There it is. Okay. Uh, thank you for the super chat, brother. He says, why during a big draft, it seems a generational defensive tackle or safety always falls to us and fans want everything that is uh, said about Hamilton versus Adams was said about Quinnen versus Leo and Leo versus Richardson and Adams versus Pryor. Um, I don't understand where the love comes in with, with you know, the general, I shouldn't say I don't understand. I get where the, the allure of wanting to take a generational caliber prospect comes in, but with Hamilton, I don't see the same thing as I see in Pitts because Pitts is utilized as a wide receiver. You have the ability to use him as a wide receiver, which is a premium position in this league. Where safety, I don't want to discount the fact that like when you have a good safety, you have a really good team. But overpaying for a safety when you don't have an edge rusher, when you don't have a cornerback, that's where I'm kind of like a little hesitant to do that. Not to mention we're start trying to finish our offensive line. Uh, so, Richie, what are your thoughts on the generational prospects that wind up popping up in drafts and how it always winds up going to the Jets? What are your thoughts on uh, on Hamilton? It's very interesting because I've heard that term a lot, generational talent, and the, and the Jets are the ones that get that that player. Jamal Adams is one of them. We're hearing that with Hamilton now. And, yes, I know you cannot compare Hamilton and Jamal Adams. They're polar opposite in terms of play style. Um, when at the safety position. Uh, yeah, but if you guys follow my channel, you know where I stand with the Kyle Hamilton situation. I understand that Jets fans are divided, and you really can – it's either you absolutely love Hamilton, you want him so bad, or you're saying I do not want a safety at number four. I'm kind of in the middle, but I'm definitely leading more side, more towards the side of we should not draft a safety at number four. But at the same time, you really have to factor in of how the draft board lays out. If Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and Aquanu's gone, then the – 
I don't know who we're drafting number four. That's a big question to ask. That's the only way I would even consider Hamilton number four, but I'm definitely not on the hype train of getting Kyle Hamilton. I'd rather them go offensive line or edge rusher or any other position. Matt, what about you? How do you feel about the generational aspect of, of the draft? And what do you think about Hamilton and the Jets uh, possibly taking him? Yeah, um, I feel like the term generational gets thrown around a lot nowadays. Um, and that's, again, not a knock on Kyle Hamilton. I think he's an excellent prospect. It's more so um, if your team can afford to use a top 10 pick on the position that he plays. And and yes, I know he does more than the average safety, but it's, it's still a safety. Um, and I would expect the jets to either go more so on the the defensive line in terms of an edge rusher or a offensive lineman whether it's a Kwanu or neil one of those two guys uh, i'd be very surprised based on everything we've heard Ulbrick or salah or douglas building the trenches and then just go to building up the secondary yeah i think that's that's a good way to look at it i guess Let's have the discussion real quick about what you would want to do as far as, you know, worst case scenario. Like if you if like Richie said, Aquanu's gone, Thibodeau's gone, Hutchinson's gone, is the pick Neil? Is the pick Hamilton? I just have a Yeah, my thoughts on Neil, like I just don't know where he fits. Because the cool thing yeah. about Aquanu is he has the versatility to kick inside and he can play right guard as a rookie. Where if we draft Evan Neal, then who is the tackles? You know what I mean? Like Who's the odd man out? Is it George Fant? It can't be George Fant. He's coming off a phenomenal year, and then we're hopeful that Beckton comes back at, you know, all in shape and all that great stuff. So that's where it's, like, a big question. I kind of want to ask you guys, like, does Evan Neal make sense for the Jets? Just because I feel like a Quan is the only way where you can kick him inside because I don't see Evan Neal kicking inside. Evan Neal used to play inside. Yeah, that's guard. true. I just feel like he's huge. Like He is. 6'7 is his big guard. I would prefer Kenyon Green over – Evan Neal personally, but I don't know if I would take him at four. Yeah. Um, Kenyon Green's interesting because he's played every position on the offensive line. Only one snap at center, but <laughs> you get the point. Um, but I guess if, I, if I'm going down that road and Aquanu's gone, the two edge rushers are gone, I think in my mind, I'm looking at... It depends how they feel about Sauce. If they think Sauce is gone at eight to the Falcons and he's not making it to 10, I would almost feel better going Sauce at four and then going either Kenyon Green or an edge rusher at 10 um, to, to round out our offensive line. I mean, the, the, the ultimate thing would be like, okay, do you believe someone's going to be there in the second round? Because like if, if you think Zion Johnson's going to make it to the second round, I don't even touch offensive line in the first round. Um, but yeah, Sauce would probably be my fourth option if I had to, to pick something at, at four. Richie, what, what would you do, you think? Um. Yeah, that's. I would love sauce. I just would rather get sauce at ten, um, but obviously that's definitely not guaranteed because there's a very good chance he does not go. Um, he's not on the board when we're on the clock at number ten. So that's the big question that I'm keep trying to figure out what the Jets' approach is going to be. Like I understand Evan Neal would be the right decision, but I just don't see. I know that he had guard versatility, but it'd be really interesting to see if the Jets go that route or they trade out or they take maybe sauce or even hamilton i have no idea and that's what the biggest question that i keep asking myself and jets fans on twitter like what do the jets do in this scenario and i'd love to hear what everyone uh, has to say in the chat about this too because it's a really good question to ask 
Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about, you know, who would your fourth player be, you think? Uh, okay. So, or, yeah, or that's kind of... what are your top of... four, I guess? Like, what, like, worst case scenario, the first three go, what's your next player, I guess? Well, I guess Neil, Aquanu, Thibodeau, and Hutchinson are my top four. So, I think I'd be okay with any of those guys at, at the mm -hmm. pick. Um, just to kind of go off the the sauce gardener at four, I I can get behind taking him at ten. I almost have I struggle a little bit uh, all the way up at four, um, but I will say I would much 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 rather take Sauce Gardner than Derek Stingley because his injury history scares the absolute life out of me. I, I wouldn't touch Derek Stingley. I am totally in agreement. Stingley's the one player I think totally off my board. I don't care how well he performs at his pro day. I just would rather let someone else take the, the gamble on him. Uh, Shivanshu drops in with another Super Chat, says, surround Zach with better offense and fix the edge. So is that what we're going in our first round? Because that's the goal for the whole offseason overall. Because I could see a situation where the Jets wind up going with, like, they're bringing LDT back. They wind up signing Lakeland Tomlinson from the 49ers. Now you don't need a guard. Maybe you draft a developmental tackle to, to pressure Becton and Fant. But I think... There's a lot of ways that you could approach this offseason that I would not be upset with. Uh, and I think you can surround Zach with a better offense and fix the edge in multiple different ways. Richie, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think, like, it's so hard to talk about the draft right now. Like, we've got two weeks, and then we can finally talk about the draft because we really know where we're going to go. Because all of a sudden, after free agency, it's going to be – but not saying it's guaranteed, but it very could well be very obvious what the Jets are going to do in the draft based on what holes that we filled in free agency and what holes are glaring and what are going to, who's available in that top 10. Um, so I feel like that's really what's going to determine how the, the New York Jets are going to really go about fixing the edge and getting a better offense for Zach Wilson. Um, if I had to guess, I do expect them to balance it and get an offensive uh, player and a defensive player in the top 10. But obviously, they can double dip on offense. They can even double dip on defense. As of right now, it's just so hard to predict what's going to happen without seeing free agency. But I definitely feel like the priority needs to be, like he just said, surrounding Zach and fixing the edge on defense. That's the number one or number two priority. Matt, what about you? How do you think they fix offense and edge? Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that they can go about doing this. Um, with both free agency, obviously, and the draft. And as Richie said, we'll have a better idea of what they can do or what their plan, I guess, is going to be after free agency. Um, so I think they're going to utilize both, to be honest with you. I think we're going to see them be um, heavy on investing on the defensive side of the ball in free agency as well as supplementing their offense. Uh, I think it was up to me. I would try to get as much of the defense done in free agency and then spend some of the early round picks on offense like they did last year and then go in the later rounds on defense, kind of like, you know, the, the similar recipe to the 2021 class. Uh, I think that would be my mindset behind it, but there's really many ways the Jets can go about doing this. There's not one really set way to me. Uh, Shu drops in with another super chat. <laughs> it says 12 years of drafting defensively, uh, defensively, heavily filled with busts and never focused on offense. Can we stop the run, run, pass, punt era of Jets football? It's almost like this weird dynamic that we've drafted two offensive drafts in a row, and now all of a sudden we're like, no, we got to go back to defense. <laughs> like, we're talking edge rusher, corner at 10. Like, it's interesting to see how the fan base is kind of split up, and I have no problem going total offense. You know, if you want to say offensive line at four, wide receiver at 10, 
tight end at 35, and then you, you do whatever else after that. And you feel you have totally rebuilt this entire offense top down, and you have Zach Wilson totally, you know, nurtured. I think um, you could go that route. But I think the power in this draft is definitely defensive. And like Green Bean kind of says, don't reach for a need. Kind of give what the draft uh, gets you. Richie, favorite draft bust? For the Jets? Mm-hmm. Maybe not favorite, but favorite. <laughs> maybe the most like memory. How do I answer <laughs> least, least, Okay, we'll say least favorite. Uh, or someone you like. It doesn't even necessarily have to be like a really Calvin Pryor. Calvin Ooh, Pryor. The Louisville Calvin slow. Pryor was a man that I thought was about to be a, a missile and just obliterate people, taking people's helmets off, and uh, I fell for the hype. Uh, that's definitely a player that I was extremely high on. And I was a lot. I was obviously very young when we drafted him, so I was just like totally invested. I watched all of his highlights, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's about to be the top safety in the league. Louisville Slugger, he had the best nickname too. Like, they, like this guy's gonna lay the wood. And the, yeah, I was the same way, dude. I, absolutely same way. I was so pumped on him. Matt, what about you? Favorite bust or least favorite bust? Uh, I'm gonna go Vernon Golston because I really thought like, okay, here you go. This is a, an edge presence. Let's go and nothing like he gave you literally zero at least calvin Pryor was like okay for one out of his three years that he was here um you literally got nothing out of a, a what was he the sixth pick um it was bad it was really bad that's i i would say my least favorite was vernon golston for sure because of the impact that it had like i think the jets didn't win a super bowl because they whiffed so hard on that pick. That's kind of my thinking. I think when they had the year with Favre or the first two years with Sanchez, I think they could have won a Super Bowl in one of those years. Um, but I think that was just a major bust. I, You know what? Maybe I'll say... Hmm. It's Sam Donald. Sam Donald. I, I, was that bad. I loved Sam, dude. I was like, all yeah, right. I was like, this guy's legit. There's no way he's making it to us. I want Baker <laughs> at three because Sam's going one. Like, all about it. And dude just blew up in our face. Yeah, so I was totally all in. I got a signed Sam Donald football just rotting away. <laughs> I got his little. I got a rookie playing card back there. I got a signature on the on the hat. Just like <laughs> disappointed, disappointed. Uh, Matt Zizzleman. Oof, Snoop Dogg made up your name. Uh, hey Ryan, new viewer, love the content. What if instead of taking wide receiver at ten, we trade for one with a second round pick like Amari Cooper and sign Mike Williams? I want to add two proven wide receiver talents. Uh, I don't want to do that, but I do want to trade for a wide receiver. I would trade one of our seconds or a third, whatever it takes to get Amari Cooper. I think that would be the move to make. I think you can get him for a third round pick, especially if you don't want to restructure his deal. His deal is absolutely enormous. It's three years. Ooh, sorry. Oh, three years, $20 million a year. Um, and the Jets have a bunch of cap space. So you could bring him in maybe at a lower uh, draft pick compensation if he doesn't want to renegotiate his deal because he's going to get cut from the Cowboys otherwise. Um, so I'm all for Amari Cooper and not drafting a receiver at 10. But I, you know, if they want to take the receiver at 10 too, I'm fine with that. Uh, but I wouldn't trade for one and sign one for big money in free agency. Richie, your thoughts on trading for Amari Cooper and possibly signing Mike Williams. Yeah, I think you can't do both. I would say um, it's one or the other uh, because of the contract situation. We also have to bring up the Braxton Berrios um, situation. Is he back? Is he walking? I guess in this scenario, he has to be walking. There's no way you're paying Berrios 
and getting Mike Williams and Amari Cooper. So in a best-case scenario for me, if the Jets don't take a receiver at 10, I think they must either go out there and sign a free agent or go out there and trade for one. If not, then sign one or, excuse me, draft one in the second round. Like, they have to make sure they give Zach Wilson another wide receiver alongside Elijah Moore and Corey Davis because that's my biggest concern, especially how much this this wide receiver room, for whatever reason, always gets banged up with injuries. We need, we need depth desperately. So I wouldn't really think that Amari Cooper and Mike Williams at the same time make sense, but I am on board with one of the two. <laughs> Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about Amari Cooper and Mike Williams? And actually, you know what I want to do, Richie, while we're thinking of that, uh, think of a second-round receiver that you would like to possibly see. Matt, I'll get your thoughts on this and who you would possibly like to see in the second round as a receiver option if we didn't want to take receiver at 10, we'll say. Gotcha. Okay, so um, I would, of these two options, I would much rather trade, like, let's say, one of the second-rounders for Amari Cooper. Um, he's probably my favorite option to trade for i think he's probably the safest uh because there is some risk involved with some of the other uh receivers that you're potentially trading for unless like not dk but you'd have to give up more for dk i think and i don't want to give up pick 10 for him um i think you're going to have to give up more than just 10 for him too I, you think seattle's just going to take 10 their, their original pick back i feel like you'd have to give up like two first for him right like it's just it'd be brutal i don't know have we ever seen a wide receiver go for two first I don't know. Keyshawn, right? Like, <laughs> that would be, that's what he went for. Was it two? I oh, guess yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. I'd, I would be yeah. very surprised. I mean, I guess you could say 10 is worth like two late seconds and you're going to have to give the big contract. I just don't think, I think from a principal standpoint, I don't think Seattle would trade him. Like they would take oh, the no. 11th pick before getting the 10th pick and giving him to us. Yeah. Yes, no, without a doubt. And I don't think that one's realistic either. But um, Mike Williams, I think he like, I don't know. That feels like such a Corey Davis signing from last year. Like good player, probably not a number one receiver, but a like a, a solid, steady receiver. Uh, so I'd rather do the Amari trade. Um, and if I'm thinking of a second round, like does Dotson count? Because I feel like he's either like a yeah. late first, or early second. So uh, awesome. I would say him. I really, I really like his speed. Um, yeah, so I, I I'm a big him. fan. Big fan, Richie. Who would your second round receiver be? Are you looking for? Uh... Dotson. Yeah, I was going to say Dotson um, for sure. That was the guy on my head. I don't know if he falls there, but outside of him, you know, there's guys like Mechie, there's guys like Bell, maybe James Williams slides to the second round. You never know, but that's another question because if you want to sacrifice his entire rookie season, but um, you know, it's crazy that James Williams had the tears ACL because I feel like he'd be in consideration number 10 for the Jets. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in the second round, you know, is David Bell. There's a lot of receivers that I think are really talented, even Watson, but I feel like Watson's really underrated. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like he's more, he could go in the second or third. You never know, or even fourth, you know, it's really, I feel like the combine is going to really uh, separate mm -hmm. the wide receivers in this class. But, you know, Dotson is definitely, if we do not take a receiver anywhere else in the second round, it's definitely Dotson for me. For me, I think there's one that he may be third round. It depends how he does at the combine. It's the guy I'm definitely keeping an eye on most. And that's George Pickens from uh, Georgia. Mm. I think he is a special talent. If he didn't tear his ACL, he might have been the best receiver in this class. Um, yep. He only he came back for, I think, one game, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of the season. Um, watch some of his highlights. He is incredible. Absolutely would love to, to possibly snag him. Like That's why I'm kind of almost off the wide receiver train at 10, because there's a few more guys in the second that I've started to really kind of fall for. 
Um, but it's going to be interesting. So Matt, I like the, uh, Matt Zizzleman. <laughs> I like the, uh, the comment. I like the, uh, the thought process here. Um, Edward Ziff, thank you so much for the super chat says worst case trade back number four and take Linderbaum at 10. Um, so he's saying if Equanu, the two edges are gone, what do you do? He's saying trade down and take Linderbaum at 10. I have a hard time with Linderbaum. I really like him and I won't really be super upset if we if he's on our team but i just don't think that center in the top 10 is a smart pick to make right now um but i would trade down from four in that situation if they didn't think sauce was worthy of that and they didn't want to pull the trigger on hamilton no problem whatsoever if you can get a first round pick from washington that would be the way i'd probably try to go about it richie what about you what do you think about trading down yeah, I think trading down has to be a consideration. You know, you know that Joe Douglas never puts the phone down. He's always picking it up when someone calls. And that situation we brought up in the beginning of the stream, you know, that's going to be really interesting because I don't know who they're going to take in that scenario. So if they do want to trade back, um, that's definitely in consideration. And then Tyler Linderbaum at 10, he's been probably my favorite, um, my first draft crush in this entire draft class going like back like the beginning of the season like i just remembered like tyler linderbaum he has to be a jet mm -hmm. like this is just joe douglas's guy and now here we are today and knowing where we're at in the draft i don't know if the jets honestly take him unless they trade back from 10 that's the only way where in my mind it makes sense for the jets to take him is if they draft someone at four and then at number 10 they trade back say to like 16 or 17 and then they take linderbaum there i think that's the only way because i agree with you ryan a top 10 first center it's hard to really pull the trigger, even though he looks like an absolute beast. And him alongside AVT just gets me giddy of that potential. Uh, Shivanchu drops in another super chat. Without developing the quarterback and the offensive uh, side of the ball, defense won't matter. This isn't the Dilfer era. By the way, Ed Reed was 50 and 46 pre-Flacco out of money now. Wow. So 50 and 46. I'm assuming that's record-wise. So I guess... Who did they have before Flacco? Flacco got in in what, 2006, roughly? Uh, Steve McNair was there for two years, and then... Really, before, before Flacco? Before that. that was... Damn. It's been so long. Yeah, no, I don't... I think you have to win with offense. That's what you... That's what we've kind of seen be the trend. You still need to get pressure on the quarterback, so if you can limit the amount of time the other team has to throw the ball, you can generate some turnovers, give yourself some more opportunities, and you can win on offense. That's obviously the winning formula right there. Uh, Matt, do you think it's possible to win like Dilfer did? No, uh, <laughs> no, not in 2022. No, uh, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, like you see teams with good defenses go on runs. Like I'm not saying that defense doesn't matter at all, but you can't have, what was Dilfer, a, a bottom five quarterback? How many bottom five quarterbacks are making deep playoff runs at this point? It's, uh, hey, Eli yeah, did it twice. Crazy. Sorry, oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, just, I wanted to call five. shots right now. No, oh, no. <laughs> I just want to piss people um, off. Oh yeah, that's gonna work. Um, but yeah, no, it's just not today's game. Richie, what about you? You think it's possible to win with a Dilfer type quarterback? No, I, I don't. I mean, you see, the only comparison I can make to that is like Jimmy Garoppolo with the mm -hmm. Niners. They went to the Super Bowl. They were in the mm -hmm. championship this past year, and um, I think that was more of their defense and the offensive system around him. Um, so, yeah, I think you need to have a top-notch quarterback, in, especially in today's NFL. Uh, Derek Spitzer drops in with Super Chat. Derek says, if the Vikings decide to blow it up, I uh, think we could get Adam Thielen for a third or something near it. 
I've always really liked Adam Thielen. I think he's a little bit older at this point now. I'm going to pull up uh, what his cap hits would be, just so I have an idea. All right, so if Thielen is traded, he would have one, two, three years left on his deal. He would have a contract of $12 million or 12.5 million, 13.5 million and 16 million. He'd be 32, 33 and 34 years old for those seasons. Uh the Vikings would save almost 6 million dollars in salary cap by moving him. Uh at 32 years old, I don't think I'm giving up a third round pick for that kind of contract, but I would give up some type of pick. If they would be willing to take a late round pick if they were considering cutting him, then maybe I would do that. Um, but I would still try to aim for someone like Amari Cooper before going this route. I would like to go younger as opposed to someone that's only going to be here. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're 34. I don't know. Richie, what do you think about Thielen? Yeah. I mean, hearing that contract, it's kind of your, uh, he's getting paid more and more as he gets older and older. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I feel like there's a lot better receivers on the market, but like you said, if they're trying to cut him and Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll do it for really, you know, fifth rounder or fourth rounder then maybe you consider it um i think this jets team desperately needs a veteran and i feel like adam thielen is one of the most underrated receivers in the entire nfl Mm -hmm. i always i always believe that he always puts up numbers and now justin jefferson is there um but uh yeah i don't know i don't see that as a fit for the jets personally but hey you never know yeah i should note that uh once he is traded Thielen would be able to be cut at any point in time. So, like, if you wanted to move on from him after one year, you could get rid of it with no no cap repercussions. Uh, Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about Thielen? Uh, at this point, probably not. I just think he's, I mean, he's still a pretty solid receiver, but he's getting up there in age. Um, and I think there are other better, more sustainable options than trading for Adam Thielen at this point in his career. Matt Zizzleman. Drops in the super chat says the problem with Snoop wasn't high when he made my last name. Also, do you draft Hamilton if he's there at ten and you get Thibodeau at four? I would be all right pulling the trigger at ten on Hamilton. I would if he made it that far. I would pull the trigger on him. Um, I think the the edge is the bigger of the concerns for me because I think there's other ways to solve cornerback. There's a few guys that might make it to the top of the second round. Uh, Kair Elam is the guy that I would really, really like to get at the top of the second, but he seems like he might go end of the first. Um, yeah, I, I would take Hamilton at 10. What about you, Richie? Yeah, for sure. I think Hamilton at 10, if he falls there, and if it's another glaring need, uh, like we go through free agency, like my dream safety duo going into mm-hmm. next year is a combination of a new veteran in free agency and a rookie safety. I don't know who that's going to be. That safety doesn't have to be Hamilton, obviously. But um, say we do go out there and give a bag to a guy like Marcus Williams or Jesse Bates or someone else, and then there's still one hole in that safety group, and if Hamilton's still there at 10, then all of a sudden our safeties are absolutely dirty. But not saying that we need to get Hamilton or for that. I like a lot of safeties later in this draft. But the only way I would say with confidence I want Jets uh, want Hamilton on the Jets is definitely if he falls to 10 rather than at 4. Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about Hamilton at 10 versus at 4? Yeah, it's still going to be no for me, uh, especially because he went defense at four there mm-hmm. too. Um, I would really be looking to – well, okay, so I guess it depends on um, – If you don't get if, Marcus Williams or something, right? Like it's it's probably like a – how do you deal with it in free agency? I'm not, I was going to say more so um, 
did you trade your second round pick for a wide receiver? I got you. Okay. Because then that makes it hurt a little bit less. Um, but I would rather go with uh, Sauce Gardner if he was there. If you're going to double up on defense that way, um, again, I prioritize corner more. So I'd be more willing to go corner before I would safety. No matter how good um, Hamilton is, I like some of the value on guys in early day two uh, at that position. Guys, if you're just dropping in the stream, make sure you hit that like button on the way in. For every 25 likes we get, we're going to pick a qualifier at the end of the stream to win a t-shirt. Right now I've got Hunter Kaiser, Ant Jets, Braden Bathwaite, uh, Thomas Cahill, and Gitmo Bob. You guys are qualified for tonight's t-shirt giveaway. All you got to do is hang around with us and, you know, maybe you'll get entered. Who knows? Uh, who we got up next? Matthew drops in with Super Chat. Matthew says... How do you feel about Schultz? Let's put an end to the misery of the last decade of not having a tight end. Let's grab a guy who can block and catch. Is he it? Yes, I would throw the bag at him. No questions asked. I am worried that maybe he doesn't want to come here. I've, I, I mean, if there's nothing that leads me to believe that, that he may go elsewhere or anything, but I just think when the Jets are not a, a winning organization, how often do you get the top guy at that position? And is Joe Douglas going to go out and pay that much after you just had all the tight ends in the senior bowl that you were able to kind of take a look at? I think Joe Douglas will not, or I think Joe Douglas will want to, but I think Schultz will wind up going elsewhere uh, in a better situation than what the Jets will be able to provide for him. Richie, what are your thoughts on Schultz? Yeah, I'm all on board with Schultz. Um, but at the end of the day, I always remind myself every single free agency. I'll never forget, m myself included, we all get obsessed with the best free agents in the market. And um, it usually knows to go that way, especially with Douglas. He likes to, you know, tone it back a little bit and uh, not necessarily open the bank a little too much. But maybe he has a different philosophy. You never know. Maybe he wants to go all in there. I would love for him, if he's going to open the bank on a player in free agency, I would love Dalton Schultz because that is a one of the biggest holes on this team throughout the entire roster is tight end. So let's get a damn tight end in the building, whether it's in the draft or free agency, please. Matt, talk to me about Schultz. Um, this is absolutely someone worth overpaying for because he's just entering his prime now. He's 25 years old. It's a position of need. It helps the young quarterback, and he's ascending. He's gotten better each of the last two years as he's got more playing time. So – um, I think this is a home run. If he hits the market, you got to get him. Jared drops in with the super chat. Thank you, Jared. Says, we're all just guessing at this point, LOL. Bottom line, put yourself in the best position possible after free agency so you can take best player available on your board. Now, I guess this is an interesting question because do you try to, I mean, you obviously try to plug holes in free agency, but do you consider possibly where you're sitting at number four because since we're sitting so close you can kind of have a rough idea okay if you like two of the offensive linemen if you like two of the edge rushers you're going to get one of them so you can plan your free agency you know maybe to go after one of those premier safeties like a marcus williams because you know you're not going to have to go after hamilton now if you don't love one of the offensive linemen and you like more than one of the edge rushers then i think you look edge it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I guess let me let me pass the question off. Would you possibly change or structure your free agent signings around what might be able to benefit you the most uh, at pick four, if that makes sense? Uh, Richie, I'll kick it to you first. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that, you know, good front offices always have to plan ahead. They need to understand that the draft is a month and a half away. 
and they can't just, you know, they have to have map out a game plan. They have to have a clear vision of what's ahead and what to expect. And they need to understand what's available at four, what's going to be available at 10 and how we should allocate that free agency. I think if they just go on off free agency and not even think about the draft, that's in a couple of months, then I think that's a mistake. I think they always have to, you know, think ahead and understand what the, um, you know, the different options there are in free agency and the draft. So I definitely feel like them knowing that they have the fourth and 10th pick, they have to know, uh, exactly where they want to go in free agency. Matt, what about you? How would you would you maneuver your free agency based on how the beginning part of this draft looks? Um, I don't like. I'm trying to think of how uh, how to word this, but I think I would go to the draft based on whatever I don't fill in free agency. So, like, I would have before, like, okay, I need this, 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 and this. And like, let's see how we're going to attack it and see, you know, which positions you really put an emphasis on in free agency first, because that's obviously, you know, chronologically what comes. And then you have to fill out the roster the rest of the way. But I'm not necessarily going like, oh, I'm not going to sign a guard in free agency because we might be able to take one at um, at four. I think you pivot uh, based on what you fill in free agency, if that makes sense. OK, no, I think that makes that makes plenty of sense multiple ways to skin a cat. Not that you should be skinning your cat. Don't skin your cat. Uh, Angel, thank you so much for the Super Chat. Says, do y'all think they take Jermaine Johnson at fourth? Both edge rushers are gone. They coached him at the Senior Bowl, and he's been rising up the board. If you think Jermaine Johnson is your third best edge and he's close enough to the guys that you have at four and five, like if you say you would take Jermaine Johnson at, you know, eight or whatever, then yeah, go ahead, pull the trigger on him at four if you love him. What I will say is, the I shouldn't say the concern, but he's a super senior. So he is two years older than a lot of the juniors in this class. Um, and you got to factor in, okay, was he, did he transfer from Georgia because he was unable to beat everyone out? Or was he just not getting reps to get the opportunity to beat people out? And how much do you see him ascending later on? Um, I believe TJ Watt was a little bit older when he was drafted as well. And look, he was, if you could redraft, he would be one of the first picks taken uh, his year. So if you think that Jermaine Johnson's ceiling is really high, I have no problem with it. I think he's really good. I would probably like to take him no higher than – I would probably take him at 10. I don't know if I'd want to pull the trigger at four just yet. Uh, Richie, what are your thoughts on Jermaine Johnson? I love Jermaine Johnson. I don't know if I would go take him at number four, but I feel like if the Jets do not get Thibodeau at four – um, and he's still available at 10, I would definitely love the Jets to take him at 10 if they want to go offensive line and edge. I feel like that's the most um, realistic approach of this draft, and my prediction is them getting an offensive lineman and edge rusher with 4 and 10. I could be completely wrong. Obviously, free agency is going to be a big factor of that, but you know, I feel like if Aquanu is on the board at 4, he's going to be the pick, especially if Thibodeau has gone. Um, but if a, maybe that is the maybe that is the answer. Jermaine Johnson at four. If Aquanu, Hutch, and Thibodeau are gone, you never know because they might fall in love with him and might prioritize that. We know how much Robert Sala loves his pass rusher, so you never know what might happen. But I definitely prefer him at ten. Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about Jermaine Johnson? Um, I I'm with you guys. I like him better at ten. Um, I also like George Karloftis more than I like Jermaine Johnson, which I know is, is a hot take to some at this point in the draft process. So. Uh, I would probably go with Karloftis before I would go Johnson. But um, like you guys said, if he's there at 10, then I think you can pull the trigger on that and be pretty happy with it, depending on what you do at four. 
Uh, let's see who we got. Pooch guy. Pooch guy drops in the super chat. Thank you so much. Says sleeper target to help the run game. Patrick Ricard. Uh, fullback Ravens could possibly do that. Who are we? Are we utilizing much of a fullback right now, or do we just not have? I know we were using Wesco for a little bit. Wesco. Yeah. How are we feeling about Wesco? We want to keep him as a fullback. <laughs> we want to upgrade from it. That's a Matt shaking his head. Yeah. Yeah. I would say yes. I think yeah. that's fair. Um, all right. Derek drops in with Super Chat. Derek says, please stop breathing heavy over Dalton Schultz. He's a middle-of-the-road player uh, that will want a ton oh. of money for too many years, too many good tight ends in this year's draft, and likely next year's. Um, we have so much money, and he's so young, and it's such a position in need for this particular type of offense. This is the exact type of player that you do go out and overpay. Um I will say that I'm not going to be banged up at all if we don't get him because there's a lot of other tight ends that I'd be fine with. If you want to go with uh, Najoku, Howard, Ertz, um, you know, maybe Everett uh, out in L.A., there's a few different options or routes that you could go. And then you go into the draft because I really like McBride. I really like Ruckert. I really like Kolar. Um, there's a few other guys that are going to be out there. Weidermeyer is going to be a, a popular name as well. There's a whole bunch of tight ends that are going to be available without having to like overly exert yourself in free agency. So don't lose your mind if you don't get Dalton Schultz, but I think he absolutely should be number one on our list if we can get him. Uh, Richie, any tight ends you like in particular outside of Dalton Schultz? Yeah, I think the Jets must draft a tight end, whether they sign Dalton Schultz or not, um, in a second or third or fourth I mean, this is probably the deepest tight end class ever, and I feel like in a, in a while, rather. And I love McBride. I love Ruckert. Um, I love Ferguson later on. Uh, there's a lot of guys that Joe Douglas and the Jets coaching staff had a really up-close personal perspective of during the Senior Bowl. And, of course, there's other tight ends that are entering the draft class. So I would not be upset if we double-dipped and took two tight ends in this draft class because that's one position that is absolutely terrible on this Jets offense. We need a completely re revamped room. I don't really, I'll be okay if we actually like don't bring back any tight ends from last year. Like I like Kenny Ubo of the practice squad. Absolutely. But I want a tight end in free agency and potentially two tight ends in the draft. That's how much I feel like the Joe Douglas needs to work on this tight end room. So to answer your question, McBride, Ruckert and Ferguson are my guys. Matt, how are you feeling about tight end position? Um, well, first, I, I think Derek is very misguided on his evaluation of Dalton Schultz. I don't know how middle, how many middle of the road tight ends go for 800 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, and that could also block. Um, so I think and that's 25 years old. This is not like a, a 30 year old guy who's coming out of his peak. And I mean, you look at Dallas's offense with all the weapons that they have. The fact that he was still able to put up that kind of production is kind of telling in a positive way in my eyes. So I, I don't get that at all. Uh, but for the rest of the group, I think uh, it kind of reminds me of a couple of years ago when there were so many different options at edge and the Jets tried to sign Anthony Barr and make him an edge rusher instead of just signing, uh, I don't know, a regular edge rusher. Um, mm -hmm. So I think even like you could pivot and sign somebody else uh, if you aren't able to sign Schultz. But um I think it's important to bring in both a veteran and a rookie. I don't think you want to rely on two rookie tight ends at that position. Uh, I think it'd be, you know, important to have a veteran with the experience of playing in the NFL. As much as I love this tight end class, I think there's really good talent in it. I just wouldn't want to um, 
you know, like I said, rely on those two young guys who don't have that experience yet. Yeah, I think that's probably where I fall. I would like to see a little bit of a vet plus rookie mix for sure. Um, if for some reason, that's kind of where I'm at. Najoku is definitely the one. I think you get him for like a one-year, $5 million deal. Nothing crazy. Let him prove himself. Um, I don't know. There's a, few, there's a bunch of different routes you could go, and I wouldn't be upset with a, a whole bunch of different routes. Um, so I want to get your guys' thoughts. We heard Robert Sal is not going to be attending the Combine this year, but he will be available for Zoom interviews. Is this a concern? He was unable to make, or not unable, there was no combine last year. <laughs> so no combine last year, no combine this year for Robert Sala. Is this an issue? Uh, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are both not going as well. So I, I pass the question off to you guys. How are you feeling about uh, Sala not going and just the scouts and Douglas? Richie, I'll toss it to you first. Yeah, definitely interesting. Definitely not what I was expecting. I feel like the combine is something that, uh, you know, you want your head coach to be there face-to-face -face with these uh, prospects. But at the same time, the Jets and Robert Sala and the entire coaching staff got a lot of these prospects of up close and personal at the Senior Bowl. I know that there'll be a lot of other guys at the combine that were not at the Senior Bowl that they were not able to see in person. But Joe Douglas and his staff will be there, and I think they'll get it all straightened out. I don't think it's anything to overreact over. But it definitely took me um, – definitely was shocked to hear that because I feel like out of any coach, um, you want your, you know, second-year Robert Sala there, you know, um, very young, inexperienced head coach trying to get, you know, accustomed to these things. So uh, maybe he's really prioritizing, you know, studying film on these free agents, and his job is to make sure that the free agency class comes in here and he's doing homework with his coaching staff. Uh, maybe that's the reason. But definitely not something to overreact over, but it definitely took me for a surprise. Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about Salah not attending the combine? Um, I think people are overreacting to it. I don't really think it's a big deal at all. Um, you know, the obviously the important thing is the GM and the scouts being there. And, you know, supposedly he's going to do his work on film on these guys too. So uh, obviously Salah's going to have input on who they draft, but I don't think you need every single person in your building there. It's, as long as the scouts and Douglas are there, then I'm fine. I don't really care who else is there. Yeah, there's something to be said, I think, for doing separate research and then coming together. It's kind of like what we do here. We do our own separate channels and we come together and we have this little mind mesh of thoughts and ideas and things of that nature. Um, I do like that you won't have the interference from the coach. Like, I think when we were under Rex Ryan, there was definitely guys like, oh, I could turn Quentin Copels into a great pass rusher. Forget Melvin Ingram. Let's go this route. Or, uh, or you know, whatever, Chandler Jones, whoever we wound up passing on that year. Uh, or you, you get the Terminator and you, you drop the fullback. It's, I think there's, you know, I want the coach to have input, but I want the coach to have input after the scouts do their work and he can meet these guys at pro days once it's a little more filtered down. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing overly special, I guess. Uh, Derek Spitzer drops in the super chat, says jets must find a pass catching fullback. Belichick has trouble against them. Uh I'm fine with the fullback. I'm not putting it in any kind of priority. Um, I don't know where I would even go, like draft wise. <laughs> I, I would be kind of going fine going undrafted free agent, to be perfectly honest. I'm not not really spending any kind of pick on a fullback. Richie, what are your thoughts on the fullback position? Yeah, I remember last year. You know, we were all on board of getting a fullback. We didn't, mm -hmm. and we just <laughs> run, ran it back with Wesco again. So I feel like it's gonna be the same exact scenario. So people are like, yeah, get a fullback, and then it's going to be Wesco again. But uh, who knows? They might sign a free agent for all we know for a cheap deal or uh, get an undrafted free agent, like you said. 
Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about the fullback position? I would try to bring Tony Richardson out of retirement and see if he could still suit up. <laughs> uh, he's pretty good for the Jets. I love it. I think it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Multivitamins. Drops in with a super chat. Multivitamins. How you doing tonight? He says, would you trade up? Would you trade up for an edge rusher? If so, who? To solve wide receiver, trade for a wide receiver, or sign someone like Landry or Gallup? If I'm going with someone with an ACL tear between Gallup and Godwin, I'm definitely going Godwin, and I'm probably not re-signing Berrios if, if you decide to go that route. I do like Landry as a backup option if you don't have, you know, if you don't want to sign a high-priced free agent. Um, he's definitely going to get cut by the Browns. I don't think he'll he'll sign for a crazy ton of money. If I were to trade up for an edge rusher, I would consider it, but I'm hoping it's not going to happen because I would like to take edge at four or 10 ideally. Um, but I would have no problem trading up from the second round pick 35 or 38 and jumping into the mid twenties to get a guy that we covet. Like maybe, maybe Jermaine Johnson is falling or, or, you know, it's uh, Walker from Georgia or whoever it is. There's, you know, six or seven really good edge rushers in this class. If you covet one and they're dropping into that 20s, maybe you wind up making a phone call and going up. Uh, Richie, how would you feel about trading up for an edge rusher? If so, who? And would you prefer to trade or sign uh, a wide receiver like Landry or Gallup? I would, I guess, let me finish. <laughs> I, I would prefer to trade for like an Amari Cooper, a Ridley or something along those lines. Um, and then, you know, maybe Godwin, but we'll see. Richie, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, the the wide receiver position is so interesting because there's so many different ways they can go. Like you said, Cooper's available potentially, Calvin Ridley, um, and Landry and Gallup, they're both free agents. So you don't have to give up anything to get them, but they are both, you know, very injury-prone coming off bad injuries. And would you trade for an edge rusher? Uh, does he mean like a veteran edge rusher like or or trade up in the draft? Ooh, ooh I didn't even consider that. Uh... Yeah, would you trade? I would trade up for an edge rusher. Yeah. I don't know if I, I would don't trade for one. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what I was Unless say. Unless it's four for TJ Watt. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, go all in. Trade our all nine picks for TJ Watt and the defense is solved. Uh, but in all seriousness, I feel like um, we aren't in a position right now to trade for an edge rusher or sign an edge rusher because we did pay Carl Lawson. I, I feel like we're missing like a, a blue chip draft pick at that edge rusher position to groom alongside Carl Lawson and JFM and Quinn Williams. So I'd rather them go the rookie route at that starting edge rusher position than trading for one, in my opinion. Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about trading for an edge rusher, whether it be through, you know, just trading or trading up for one? And then what do you think a wide receiver? I definitely think it's possible. Like there's some name, like Daniel Hunter is someone who could potentially make sense to trade for. Uh, one of the Smiths from Green Bay, maybe you trade for. I'd probably prefer to attack in the draft, but I think there are options out there. Um, so uh, Daniel Hunter, Zedaria Smith, or Preston Smith would probably be the ones that make the most sense. Um, and I, Landry, I think, is pretty much cooked. Gallup coming off the injury scares me, and I think Gallup's going back to Dallas anyway, uh, which is why I think Amari Cooper is going to be available. So I'd rather trade for Cooper than uh, sign an injured Gallup, I think. Yeah, it's interesting to bring up, too, the the whole trading. I, I would say if I could trade for an edge using a second-round pick, like if I didn't have to give up four or ten, I'd be more on board with it. So if there's like some kind of like a Daniil Hunter where they're trying to clear some salary cap space, I would be totally on board with that kind of trade. Um, but I 
think he is talented enough. I, th- I believe he was the fastest player to 50 sacks, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I could see someone giving up a, a higher pick than our second rounders. Um, but we shall see. Yoshi says, did you guys see Makai Becton's workout video? I did not see it. Did you guys see it? Yes, I did. Oh, yeah. He's pumping iron, man. He was moving it around. There you go. I figure All I saw him going back and shambles seeing that man in shape going crazy. <laughs> I was going to say, I saw him. Uh, he responded. I think it was, was it on Instagram or Twitter that uh, he kind of went back and forth with another fan about his weight. I guess he posted 777 and yeah. uh, the, the fan was like, oh, yeah, you know, is that your weight? <laughs> It's like, yeah. It's like, oh. I just, yeah, man. It's just, I feel bad for him. I mean, what I try to say is he gets so much hate, like, on social media. It's like, yeah, it's just, it's making it a little more difficult for him mentally to get through it, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, but you got to be mentally tough. So that's another thing to survive. So I, I still believe in Makai. I feel like he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. Ruben Dario Toribio. That's a big name. Uh, we got a big contract for Davis. I only see us drafting a wide receiver or signing trading for a second uh, or third wide receiver. I don't think we're spending $25 million for just two receivers. Corey Davis could be cut after this year. His contract was a three-year contract that was really a two-year deal with a team option for a third year. So you could move on from him with, I believe, like a $1 million dead cap hit. Uh, so I don't think signing any receiver, whether it be free agent or draft, necessarily... I don't think you're prevented because Corey Davis is on the on the field right now. Ideally, Corey Davis plays phenomenally well. You want to bring him back for the third year, and then you just have a, a deeper wide receiver room. Um, Richie, your thoughts on Davis and paying a lot of money for just two receivers? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Brian, we're not really uh, paying him that much because if you can get out of it after this year, it's essentially a two-year deal. Um, I'm excited for Corey Davis in this year. I feel like People forget that he started off the season very hot. I mean, he had two touchdowns on opening day. He had that crazy uh, game against the Titans. And then he kind of, you know, started having some drop issues, very inconsistent. And then he had that injury concern. So I'm hoping that year number two with Zach Wilson, they get that chemistry going. But I do not think that the Jets should feel like they can't go out there and pay a big receiver just because Corey Davis is on the books, even though you can get out of his contract after next year. Um, in a perfect world, I really hope that they re-sign Berrios and then they still get a receiver, whether that's free agency, trade, or the draft. Well, we will see. But uh, to answer the question, no, I don't think Davis' contract should hold him back on any wide receiver um, potential. Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about the uh, receivers, and does Davis impact how we handle our wide receiver room? No, I don't think he really has that big of an impact because, as you guys mentioned, uh, you can move on from him after this year. Uh, I really hope that he bounces back and plays well and you want to bring him back for year three. But, you know, luckily they can get out of it for very little dead cap money to uh, if they want to move on after this year. So I really wouldn't let him impact your plans too much. I I personally like I want to see him here in 2022. I liked the connection that he had with Zach earlier in the year. Now, I think Zach kind of got into a habit of force feeding him a little bit too much, but mm-hmm. uh, I think he could be a versatile piece for this offense. Um, so I would like to see him back and fully healthy this year. I'm not ready to give up on him. I know it was tough in 2021 for him, but uh, I think he's a steady receiver who uh, is going to impress some people this year. Uh, let's see what else we got. So which players to watch at the combine? So I want to talk a little bit. If you guys have a player uh, or however many you have, that you'd like to possibly talk about that you want to keep an eye on for the combine. I think for me, 
The guy I'm most excited to see is George Pickens. That w- I think the ability to watch him cut and test with some of the other wide receivers is going to be really impressive. He's someone that I thought, you know, based on his skill and the, the tape that I saw from him last year, I think he definitely could be a, a top receiver in this, in this league for sure. Uh, on the defensive side, I guess I'm looking at the cornerbacks and, oh, no, probably edge rushers. I probably want to see – Jermaine Johnson is probably the, the guy on the defensive side that I'm most excited to just kind of sit and watch and just kind of learn a little bit more about. Uh, Richie, what about you? Who are you trying to watch at the Combine? Yeah, I think the receivers are going to be fun to watch. I'm looking at some uh, sleeper picks like uh, Christian Watson. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, Dotson, what is he going to run? Because I know that he's a speedster. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like uh, the backs, I'm excited to see Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner, I heard that you know Stingley's not going to be there. Um, and also, how about the big fellas? I remember uh, two years ago, Makai Becton ran that 40-yard dash. I'll never forget watching that live. And it was so impressed. I was like, yo, that guy's sick. He needs to be a Jet. And then here he is, a New York Jet. So maybe a Quanu or, or I, I don't think Neil's going, I think, um, or I could be wrong. But maybe one of these big fellas can go out there and run a crazy 40-yard dash. I always love watching the offensive lineman, defensive lineman uh, at the combine. I don't know why. Yeah, you, you brought up Evan Neal. That's interesting because I think – he has the most to lose because last I saw, I believe he was the odds on favorite to be the number one overall pick and him not going to the combine opens the door for Aquanu to really have an opportunity to, uh, to shoot up the draft board here. So interesting decision uh, by Neil, Matt, what about you? Are there players that you're, you know, kind of sitting back and wanting to watch? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of storylines that are interesting this week. Um, first, I want to talk about someone who's not going to be there uh, and someone that I like a lot, George Karloftis. Um, I think that's a massive mistake on his part because he's such a athletic freak. I think if he went and showed like, hey, this is, you know, I am athletic enough and I am bendy enough to play edge that it would have only helped his stock. So don't love that. Um, but in terms of people who are going to be there, uh, I'm looking for Drake London and his 40 time. I think that's going to be really important. Mm-hmm. Because everyone knows that he's, you know, a really good jump ball guy. But I was listening to a podcast and they were saying that there's rumors that he's going to run close to a 4-7, which is really not good. But if he ends up in the 4-5s, then I think you're like, okay, you're you're fine. He's going to be – he is what he is. But at 4-7, that would be worrisome to me. Um, and then, yeah, I think I, I want to see the corners run. I think the – the 40-yard dash can be a little overrated at times, but I think it's important for the corners uh, because, you know, they're they're chasing wide receivers and they it's all about makeup speed and acceleration and getting to the ball. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my roundabout look, I guess. Uh, Jose Cornell drops in the Super Chat, says, My sleeper pick, Christian Watson, is going to be the best receiver in this draft. Book it. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be great. I think... A lot of Jet fans would probably like to grab him. I would say third round is probably where I'm really starting to look because I think there's still enough receivers in the second round that I'm not sure I'd pull the trigger on him. But his highlights, man, he's fast. He's a quick dude. And he's tall, too. Isn't he like 6'4"? Yeah. Massive. I don't know. Absolutely I, don't, I haven't watched enough of him yet, to be honest. He's still on my list, and I know we're getting really close here, so I'm sleeping on him, but um, I have to look into him some more. We should do a... a a few Tuesday streams where we just look into a few prospects and we'll say like, Hey, maybe next week's like receivers or something. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. Probably not, but <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, Richie, any thoughts on uh, Christian Watson? Yeah. I feel like um, 
he is potential to be the sleeper of this of his draft. There's always that one receiver that squeaks past the second round, and he's drafted in the third or fourth round, and he's a beast. Um, so you never know. Maybe Watson will be that guy. I feel like he's really fast for his size, his good hands, and uh, I think the only thing that's that's the reason why it's not like a second round or first round talent. This is a limited route tree. I feel like it's not the best route runner at creating separation. Uh, so we'll see what he does at the combine. We'll see where he ends up, but I definitely feel like his potential to be a seal of the draft for whoever uh, picks him. Jets forever says, I want to talk to whomever thought John Franklin Myers was worth $55 million. Man, you are a salty little sailor. Um, I like John Franklin Myers. Yeah, I, I like John Franklin Myers. I think he was playing out of position this year because of the injuries to Carl Lawson and uh, Vinnie Curry. I think we're going to kick him back inside, and we're going to see just why he's worth this contract. But I do want to keep in mind that it's really just a contract for next year. You can get out of it after this season, and there's no, almost no dead cap hit. You'd save $11.2 million of the 12.4. Uh, that you'd wind up having as a cap hit for 2023. So it's really not um, not a bad contract. I think people just got spooked by like the the numbers initially. It's, it's one of those NFL deals that's like, okay, hey, we're giving this guy an extra deal and we're spreading out his signing bonus so it doesn't impact us all in this one year, even though his signing bonus really wasn't that big. The tape um, don't lie. Yeah, Richie, what do you think about uh, John Franklin Myers? Yeah, Jets Forever is my guy. He's always on my streams. I appreciate all the support, but I disagree with this wholeheartedly i think john franklin myers if you think about it he should be a free agent right now and if we did not give him that money he would be hitting the open market and say we're sitting here like oh i want barrios back oh i also want franklin myers back oh what about foley if john franklin myers and foley fatukasi were both walking in free agency right now we'd have a really big problem how are we gonna get a guy that's going to fill in for jfm who could be a versatile threat at both edge and defensive tackle and if you look at the tape it doesn't lie. I mean, he was disruptive throughout the entire season. He does not, you know, pad the stats with sacks, but he was still a player that was making people just shedding off blockers through the edge, going inside, going outside, just being a disruptive mess. And did you guys watch the Houston Texans game? He single-handedly, like, took over the entire game. Two sacks, had an interception, was just the man. I mean, people always say, like, oh, what happened to JFM? He fell off the face of the earth after – uh, we give him that extension. This is not true. Maybe the numbers weren't there, but he was still, you know, getting quarterback pressures, getting quarterback hits, and the best is yet to come for him as well. He's still young. It's not like we gave someone a contract who's like 29, 30 years old who's regressing. Like, he's getting better and better. I'm so happy the Jets paid him this money. And like you said, Ryan, you shouldn't be too upset about this number of money. I mean, $55 million at first might be like, oh, my gosh. But in reality, he can get out of it after next year. But I really feel like he's going to be a big piece for this a defensive line moving forward. Matt, how are you feeling about JFM? I am feeling happy that he's a Jet uh, because he's versatile. He can uh, rush inside or outside. I prefer him inside, but he's fine on the outside. Um, and he's a versatile rusher. Like, he doesn't just win in, in one specific way. Uh, and Richie's 100% right. It, it's He may not show up on the box score every single week, but he does the little things right. And if you watch the tape or if you watch the games – um, he's always involved in the play, and um, I think he is a, a very underrated player on this team, but um, too much box score watching. AZ Jets drops in with Super Chat, says Thibodeau or Icky at number four, Kenyon Green or Jermaine Johnson at number 10, Brisker or Zion or McBride at 35 and 38, 
uh, and then Muma at 69. All realistic options, in my opinion, would love to uh, see this come draft night. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at for the most part. Jermaine Johnson and Canyon Green, I do want to see a little bit more of before I want to commit to them at 10. Uh, but I do like Thibodeau or Icky at 4. I would add in Sauce Gardner at 10, as well as some of the receivers, depending on what happens in free agency. I do like Brisker. I would add Petrie into that second-round mix as well. Um, hopefully Zion is there. I would love to not take offensive line in the top 10 and be able to get Zion at 35. Um, I think if he falls, you want to make sure you take him at 35 because you have the Giants and you have the Texans between our two picks, and I feel like they would go offensive line there. Um, Richie, your thoughts on uh, AZ's off uh, yeah, I mean, know, mock, season, a, mock off season? Yeah, it's a very realistic scenario. I think there's a very good chance that both Thibodeau and Iquano will be available at number four, and that's going to be really interesting because if that's the case, I feel like free agency might answer that question for us, but as of right now, if the Jets are on the clock and they're both available, I'm going to be like freaking out just in terms of who's it going to be. Like, I don't know who the hell they're going to take. Um, but say hypothetically it's a Quanu at four, then mm-hmm. I would definitely like rather uh, Jermaine Johnson at 10. I'm all on board of getting trench work at four and 10. I feel like that is mm-hmm. just what I feel like Joe Douglas is going to do, prioritize the line of scrimmage to both sides of the ball in the first round. And then the second round, like you said, Ryan, if Zion Johnson's there and say we don't get an offensive lineman in the first round, that would be a home run for the Jets. He would be our starting right guard. For the future, and then we got Johnson and AVT in back-to-back drafts as our guards of the future. We all want McBride for sure in the second round. I think that's the uh, the big big name. And uh, Brisker's dope. Um, Jalen Petrie, I'm really high on as well. And the third round, I think Muma is a very good possibility. I feel like a linebacker in the third round or fourth round makes a lot of sense. But yeah, AZ Jets got a really interesting uh, game plan here. I feel like he took this from Joe Douglas's uh, his desk. Matt, what are your thoughts on AZ Jets? Uh, I I think he's pretty spot on with all of his different scenarios at each spot. And like he pretty much, he he spells it out essentially at four and 10 flip-flopping between edge and offensive line. That's where I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the the Jets will prioritize with one of their first four picks. If like, let's say just for example, the, um, they use one of their seconds to trade for a receiver, then I would put almost anything that the first two picks are going to be some order of offensive line and edge, just because that's, Mm -hmm. you know, really their bread and butter of this team. And then, you know, rounding out with, I like Brisker a lot. Uh, Petrie, you guys mentioned, Uh, Lewis seen, I think he's just a massive hitter. And I think would be a good strong safety to pair with someone maybe like a Marcus Williams in free agency. So um, I, I think he's spot on. These are really good targets for the Jets. Mike Jerome drops in with a super chat. Mike says, I get Dwayne Jarrett vibes from London. Burks for the win. Uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion over the wide receivers in this class because I don't feel like everyone has like a lock number one. I think if I were, if I'm looking at the list, I feel like Wilson is probably the most polished of the three. And I would say Burks and London have the size to be really special. Um, I would say Wilson almost gives me CeeDee Lamb type vibes. He's just really good yak. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel and uh, Burks, you know, those two guys obviously feel like they're mirror images of one another. And then if London can wind up being similar to, to Mike Evans, I mean, you really can't go wrong with any three of them. Uh, but I think the rest of the offseason, or specifically the combine and pro days, will help try to filter where these guys wind up shaking out. 
Uh, Richie, your thoughts on London, Burks, and Wilson? Yeah, I think you can go. You can't go wrong with any of the three. My personal favorite out of the three is Burks. Actually, um, I just feel like Traylon Burks fits this team so beautifully in a way where big body, big hands can do everything. Line up inside, outside, get the ball out of the um, at the end around. He's just a really physical runner. It kind of reminds me of like Quincy Nunwa, and I feel like that was just one of my favorite chess that never panned out. I just love the way he ran with the ball, his physicality, and Traylon Burks kind of reminds me of that. That's nothing against Garrett Wilson or Drake London. Mm -hmm. uh, my next favorite is definitely Garrett Wilson and then Drake London. Um, but I feel like if the Jets go, it can't go wrong with any of those three, but that's my personal list. Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about the wide receivers at the top of this draft? I agree with Richie. Traylon Burks is my number one, um, followed by a close second, Garrett Wilson. I'd be more than thrilled if one of those two guys are a Jet at 10. Drake London, I'm not as down on him as Mike is, but I would be lying to you if I wasn't like a little bit concerned with um, just his play style. I understand that he's, you know, he's like a jump ball guy, contested catch guy, but I worry a little bit with the speed and I think we'll have a better idea after the combine, you know, how that's going to fit. So it's going to be a really big week for him. Our good buddy. The P-Assassin. I'm not going to say the full name because I got yelled at yesterday. Um, <laughs> ask Matt how he feels about trading up to number one to draft Kyle Hamilton. Also, don't sleep on John Dotson in the slot, boys. Matt, you trading up to number one to get your boy Hamilton? I would do it like Mike Ditka style and give up my entire draft class to go up and get him. I think that's the only way you can go up and do it. Um, yeah. yeah, and look, hey, I love Dotson. Would be very happy with him if you could get him in the second round. Uh, Shivanshu dropping it with another super chat. Thank you so much, brother. Says Joe Blewett, Jets X Factor, calls Neil a bitch and soft. He hates that pick during all his film study streams. I also or also believes Hamilton is overrated. Ask him. I do know that he he thinks Hamilton is overrated. I, I had him on recently where we were discussing this. Uh, and Neil is someone that I don't think he's for on my list. I would say the edge rushers in Hutchinson and Thibodeau would be my priority, then Iquanu, and then probably Sauce Gardner at four before I get to Hamilton or Neal. Um, you know, that said, I wouldn't be upset with Neal either. I think he's got some positional versatility, but uh, yeah, I, I trust Joe's eye for film more than anyone else. This guy literally will dive in for like a two-hour film session and doesn't care just we'll, we'll go through the entire thing and he will just non-stop talk the entire time and i love it i absolutely love joe's breakdowns richie your thoughts on evan neal and kyle hamilton yeah i talked about neal in the beginning of the show i just feel like the fit's personally not there with the jets even though he very well could become the first overall pick to the jacksonville jaguars which isn't anything Say we didn't have Becton, say we did not have a, a young tackle on this roster, then yes, draft Evan Neal at number four. But since we do, I just don't feel like Neal makes sense for the Jets personally. I know that he played guard. Uh, he has that versatility, but he's grown since then. He's a six foot seven man, and I don't really see him kicking inside. But hey, I could be wrong. And then Hamilton, uh, him being overrated, hey man, I can't really, you know, uh, debate with joe about this because he watches you know way more film on him than i have i've done homework on him and i was actually very impressed uh coming away from hamilton to a point where i'm like wait do i want him at four now like no no, no i don't 
like I, I almost convinced myself because I was I fell in love with him as a player, but then I, I had to ground myself and realizing uh, the reality of the situation. But yeah, that's really my takes on uh, both Neil and Hamilton. Matt, your thoughts on Neil and Hamilton? Uh, I love Joe Blewett. He's a very very smart guy, and he knows more about football, or he's forgotten more about football than I probably will ever know. Um, I don't <laughs> agree with him on Evan Neal though. Um, I, I think people are kind of, um, looking too much into him in a way. I think this is someone who's like so good and almost like overanalyzing him at this point. I think, um, he would be the smart pick for Jacksonville first overall. I, I, I think he's that good. Um, with Hamilton, I kind of see his point on though. I feel like the, the term generational gets thrown around a whole lot. So I could see why you might come away with that take. I think he's a really, really good prospect, uh, maybe great, but um, generational might be tough because it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf with these generational prospects at this point. Yeah, uh, Iowan Jets fan says the Jets covered him with sauce was uh, has way too many levels of humor in it. Yes, I would love to say that. if I could say, hey, we're going to cover you in sauce today, like it just makes my day so much happier when it can. Anytime I can work innuendos into any conversation I have, it's it's a glorious thing. Uh, V-Man drops in with a super chat, says, NYJ Trivia, name four players on the 1960 Titans that made it to Super Bowl three. Sorry, I, I wasn't alive. One player. I couldn't name you one player on the 1960 Titans. Vinny, <laughs> help us out. We're younger. Yeah, so are you, Vinny. Vinny's not old either, but like, I don't. He's the historian. He's the historian. He's, He's got all soul. the trivia. He really is. So I'll, I'll, look for your, I'll look for your comment in the chat. If one of you guys see Vinny's follow-up, let me know. Uh, Thomas Cahill drops in with Super Chat, says, how high do you think Perion Winfrey will go? Uh, let's see. I don't know where he's ranked on. He was a chart. beast at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, yeah he was. I, I feel like I saw what him at. Let's see. Do this control F. Tankathon has him ranked 47th. So I guess maybe if he had this was probably before the senior bowl, too. So big senior bowl. Does he sneak into the tail half of the first round? Top of the second round? I don't know. Where are you guys feeling that uh Winfrey could go, Richie? Yeah, I think uh back end of the first, early the second. I really feel like that senior bowl made his draft stock skyrocket because not only did he dominate, but he showed the leadership. He showed energy. He showed passion for the game. He just showed like everything you want in a defensive tackle prospect. In my, my opinion, I was like, damn, I want this guy to be a jet. But uh, we're not taking that position because we got uh, a lot of players on there. But uh, yeah, I think back end of the first, early second, in my opinion. Matt, what about you? Where do you think Winfrey goes? Uh, I'm not as high on him as you guys are, I guess. Um, I would think towards the second the end of the second or early third, I, I worry about him uh, in the run game. I don't know how well he's going to hold up um, in, in that, but like if he's someone who you draft and say like, Hey, you're kind of, you're, you just go after the pass rusher and uh, after the passer and don't worry about anything else, then um, I think he'd be okay for that. But as an every down uh, defensive tackle, I don't know. Uh, Matthew drops in the super chat says, do we know who's getting hard knocks? Not yet, but it's down to the jets, the lions. And I think there was a third team. Um, I don't remember who it was, but I think the lions wind up getting it. 
the, the way the rules work is you can't be a first-year head coach. Um, I think you can't have made the playoffs. And I don't remember the rest there. Uh, but I think the Lions wind up getting hard knocks this year. Richie, do you know anything or, or have any thoughts on hard knocks? Yeah, my biggest question is if we get hard knocks, do we still get one Jets drive? I mean, do we get double? I mean, I'll take I that. I so. Get a behind-the-scenes look at HBO with one yeah, Jets right? drive. One Jets no, drive is so good. I don't need hard so knocks like, at all. I don't exactly. care about it. Like, it was great when like... we had Rex Ryan, but like it, the one Jets drive crew is so good, I don't need it. And it's also going to, like, dramatize the Jets, like, from yes. from the NFL world. Like, that's the one thing about hard knocks. Like, if the Jets are on there right now with the way social media is, I just feel like it's going to either put the Jets in a good light, potentially, or a bad light. Um, but I, I'm totally content with one Jets drive to the point where I can care less about hard knocks because the Jets have such an amazing video creation team over there creating that uh, one Jets drive productions. It's amazing. Matt, your thoughts on hard knocks? Um, I, my guess is it's going to be the Lions. I think they're going to really go off the Dan Campbell, um, mm -hmm. like kind of just pumping that up. I really think Aiden Hutchinson's going to be the pick at two, and I feel like that'd be a really good way to market him. Uh, he has his own podcast and stuff like that, so he's like he's pretty good in front of the camera. So um, I, I think it, it would make sense for them to kind of be like, oh, the revival in Detroit storyline. Like obviously New York plays too, but um, my guess would be Detroit. Guys, if you're just tuning in, make sure you hit that like button on the way in. For every 25 likes we get, we're going to pick a qualifier for our T-shirt giveaway at the end of this stream. Uh, and if you're watching this after the fact, make sure you leave a comment on the video down below, and you'll be entered into next week's T-shirt giveaway. Disregard Papa comes in with a super chat, says, Would you draft Iquanu at 4 and then Sauce at 10, or Thibodeau at 4 and Charles Cross at 10? Or Iquanu at 4 and a receiver at 10? Um, or would you or draft Penny? <laughs> so many oars. Um, let's see. Let me think about this real quick. My brain hurts if, reading this question. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what commas are or periods. Okay. I'm going to say I would – my first choice here would be Equanu then Sauce. My second choice would probably be Equanu and a receiver – then probably Thibodeau and Cross, because I'm not necessarily looking for a tackle. Um, so I think Cross and Penning aren't necessarily what I'm looking for at the top of the draft. So Equanu and Thibodeau would be the two guys I'm looking at at four. Sauce and then either receiver or... It's probably Sauce or a receiver at 10 for me. Um, Richie, your thoughts on this list? Yeah. Uh, you want to reread it to me? I'm you can look at it. It better be on the screen on your side. <laughs> uh, I, I would love Aquano at four and then Sauce at 10. I would love Thibodeau at four and Wilson at 10. I mean, there's so many different things I love in this draft. But it's kind of overwhelming. Like, it really is. Um, but uh, my favorite one is definitely Aquano at four and Sauce at 10. And then getting Matt, a receiver somewhere else. <laughs> Matt, what about you? Uh, my favorite is Aquanu at four and receiver at ten. Um, I like. I'm okay with Aquanu and Sauce. I don't think that's you know an awful idea either. I think if that's the play, then I would hope that the second rounder was used to trade for an established wide receiver. But uh, my favorite is probably Aquanu than receiver. 
V-Man drops in with the answer to his question, says the answer is Don Maynard, Curly Johnson, ah. Bill Mathis, and Larry Grantham. Grantham. Grantham? Grantham. Sadly, have all passed. Uh, yeah, that's not... It's very depressing. Um, Shivanshu drops in with another super chat, says... Feels like injuries hurt our chances of growth every year. Afraid that players we depend on will tear something every camp or get mono. Uh, can't can't have more or Carter get uh, etc. Get injured. Joe really hates Neil. <laughs> I, yeah, no. Joe is very passionate. I, I can't wait to have him on. I gotta have him on next week or so. I'll, I'll reach out to him. Uh, but let's see. Uh, yeah, injuries. They've been a huge issue for us at least the last two years, if not the last three years. But I feel like we're building enough depth right now because of how many draft picks we've had and the amount of young players we have on this team that you're going to see less injuries. Um, you're still going to have those freak ones. I mean, statistically speaking, you're probably looking at one or two ACL tears a year in training camp per team. You know, you just hope it's not a major contributor. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the turf on the MetLife field or what's going on, but you know, it feels like every year we're battling this uphill battle against injuries. And I do think there's probably a little bit to be said. If we're competitive, you probably don't see as many guys tapping out or or, or maybe not uh, battling through. In, maybe they would battle through injuries if we were more competitive is basically what I'm saying. Richie, your thoughts on uh, players getting hurt and uh, what do you think about the, the Jets and why we keep having to deal with this? Yeah, it's if you guys watch Joe Douglas's press conference after the season, he got asked about that. And there's actually they're doing a lot of uh, like homework and doing a lot, putting a lot of resources in the injury concerns for this Jets team and how to make sure the trainers are, you know, going with these players to avoid soft tissue injuries. And they saw a growth in, you know, they did not see a lot of soft tissue injuries, but they saw a lot of Achilles this year. So hopefully they can fix that. Um, it just is probably one of the most gut-wrenching things about being a Jets fan, especially recently, is it feels like every single year the season ends before it even begins. I mean, I'll never forget being so excited hearing Carl Lawson just dominating training camp left and right and then hearing that he's getting carted off the field and we find out that he ruptures Achilles. That was absolutely just terrible news. I mean, it just it's it's a reality of football, it's a reality of the sport. Um, but you know, it really comes down to luck and taking care of your body at the same time. So let's just hope that the Jets can stay healthy and their most important pieces, especially last year's draft class, they can all stay healthy because um last year we had the most money on the injured reserve list in the NFL. And I just don't know if it's like a curse or if it's just the trainer's fault or I don't know what the issue is, but it's always the Jets and it drives me crazy. Let's just get a full – obviously, there's going to be injuries. Let's just hope it's not too major and too major players. Yeah, I believe last year we had 26% of our overall salary cap at one point was on the IR. And I think that was like around week 14 or so. So it could have gone up the last like little bit of the season, um, but definitely, definitely not good. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on the injuries that we've been dealing with? It sucks. I hate it. Um, I don't know what the hell they could do to fix it. Uh, maybe maybe new training staff? Um, I don't like the Giants play at MetLife also, and I just don't – I feel like they don't have the same number of injuries the Jets do. So something is clearly not working here. Uh, it is a league-wide issue too, by the way. Like it feels like these teams are getting beat up every year, and I feel like it gets worse every single year. So um, I don't know, but it's – it's frustrating, especially when like last year was probably the worst I've ever seen it. And coming off of 2020, I didn't think it was going to get worse than that. So like fingers crossed, it doesn't triple down because I don't think I can handle that. 
I would lose my goddamn mind. Uh, Jose drops him in the super chat, says, if Zach completes 65% of our passes, we are on our way. I completely agree. He finished just under 56% of his passes this past year. If he can get up to 65, especially with some extra weapons, uh, maybe not as many drops, then uh, we'll be in some good shape. I did see... Let me see. I thought I saw adjusted completion percentage. Let me take a look. Okay, yeah, so... <laughs> If you adjust this completion percentage for drops and everything, it's only 57. So it's really not enough to, to impact it. So if we can get up to 65, that would be absolutely incredible. Um, Richie, is there a threshold you want to see Zach get to, or you think 65 is a good number? Yeah, and uh, completion-wise, definitely minimum 60-plus. Uh, I feel like that is like the bare minimum. Um, 65 would be phenomenal. I feel like if he did that, that is just shows you that he's efficient. He's getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He's accurate. And also the receivers are catching the ball. Um, but I feel like the more important stat for me for quarterbacks is going to be the turnover ratio um, and more passing touchdowns because he only had nine passing touchdowns as a rookie, which is underwhelming. And he had more interceptions that obviously finished off the season with a really good ratio. Um, but I feel like the turnover to touchdown ratio is what I'm looking at for, for Zach Wilson moving on, because if he can learn to, to protect the football and limit the turnovers and find the end zone, uh, more often, I feel like that's what's really going to take Zach Wilson to another level. But 65%, sign me up. Matt, what about you? you thinking a certain percentage to uh, have a successful season for Zach? Um, completion percentage, I think, is a, a little bit overrated, but uh, I think 60 is a good benchmark, like Richie brought up. 65 might be a little bit ambitious. That would be almost a 10 percentage point increase for him. Mm -hmm. um, so... That'd be nice. Obviously, I'll, I'll take it. But I think like, I don't know, 60 to 62 is probably more realistic somewhere in that range. Uh, Dom C, our buddy Dom C drops in with a super chat. Thanks, dude. Uh, he says, why is nobody talking defensive tackle as it needs? Second round is feasible option to replace Foley. Guys like Winfrey or Wyatt make sense. Thoughts? I don't want to do defensive tackle. I just have like, it's just such a non-sexy position <laughs> I, I want like i want edge rusher i want receiver i want i want to go sexy this year that's that's mainly my thing let jonathan marshall compete at d tackle you know i don't if you don't bring back foley i think you bring back rankins um jfm and and quinn are going to be there you're still going to need defensive tackle for sure because i want to say our third string defensive tackle played like 45% of the snaps, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be, you know, picking the wrong number out there, but it, it, it was a lot. So Dom is definitely correct that it's going to be a need, but I really don't want to spend that in the second round. I'd rather go, uh, you know, free agent or, or later in the draft for that particular position. And maybe that's the wrong way to think about it because I know the trenches are so important. Uh, Richie, your thoughts on defensive tackle? Yeah, it's 100% going to be a need, and the Jets will be – either drafting and signing, I think, uh, multiple defensive tackles. Because if Foley walks, Shepard's will be walking as well. Um, and say we don't bring back Rankins, which I think we probably will, then all of a sudden we need to add some guys into that rotation. If you guys know, the Jets kind of technically have like an eight- to nine-man rotation on that defensive line every single game. It's not just the same starting four playing the entire game, as you guys know. Um, uh, the free agent that I really like that uh, um, I tweeted out recently and I got – have people saying no, have people say yes, of course, is uh, Solomon Thomas. I feel like is a potential Ooh. depth piece just because um, he's coming off a full season with a bill of health. 
which I think is really important. He tore his ACL actually at MetLife Stadium against the Jets in 2019, if you guys remember that turf game. Um, yeah. But I feel like he could be really cheap. Too. Yeah, he could be a cheap uh, option depth-wise, be part of the rotation, familiar with the system. Um, and he was very productive uh, when he was healthy. Um, but that's just a, a depth piece, obviously. It's not going to be a flashy signing. I feel like the Jets are going to dr- potentially draft a defensive tackle late, like a fifth-round pick, similarly to what they did last year with Jonathan Marshall, more of a developmental piece. Um, but don't don't sleep on Jonathan Marshall. I feel like he's going to be part of the rotation this year, and he could be shocking a lot of people because I really like what I saw um, from him at the end of the season. He showed some flashes, and I'm excited to see what he can do in year number two. Yeah, especially because if I remember correctly, he had one of the highest RAS scores. Uh, that's what you'll see a lot of during this combine here. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, Solomon Thomas is interesting. Former third overall pick from San Francisco. So he's obviously got the connection with Robert Sala, with Mike LaFleur. Not that I guess LaFleur would be <laughs> his coach, but you know what I mean. The the knowledge of the coaching staff would be impressive. I think the contract might be the where you, you have to figure it out. If it's how much are you willing to allocate towards that position um, will probably be pretty interesting to see. Matt, what about you? How do you feel about defensive tackle? That is so far down the the list uh, for me. Um, just because, like, you have some pretty – I feel like you need depth there, but it's it's pretty top-heavy. Quinnen, JFM, Sheldon Rankins, I think, is coming back. Foley, I don't think, is coming back just because you have so many other needs to fill. I, I like Foley mm-hmm. Fadokasi. I just don't think they have enough space to bring him back. Uh, I mean, Nathan Shepard's still kicking around this roster somehow. I, I guess maybe move on from him, but – uh, this feels like you can sign someone super cheap and free agency to fill that role on like a veteran minimum kind of a deal, or like maybe your last pick in the draft, kind of like what they did last year. But there is no way in hell I'm using a top 40 pick on a defensive tackle. Shivanshu drops in with another super chats. <laughs> ugly irony draft defensive tackle for years and we still need one. Oh, don't remind me, dude. Don't remind me. Uh, Jared drops him with super chat says wide receiver is essential at 10 selfishly because I also don't want one of the top three wide receivers falling to the bills at 25. Uh, one of the top three receivers is not going to follow bills at 25. I'd be pretty surprised if that wound up happening. Um, but I would, hmm. I, I definitely would prefer to solve this position in free agency or sorry, not well, either in free agency or with a trade. Particularly, Amari Cooper is the guy that I, I would look at really hard because I think you could trade for him without giving up a really high pick. And we could absorb the cap hit with him now. And I don't think the Jets are going to be a premier location for free agents. So I'm not as banged up about using a lot of salary cap space on him. Um, as far as receivers go, I don't think it's a lock to take one at 10. Um, but if some guy goes into the combine and just blows the doors off, like if if Traylon Burks winds up running four three or something crazy, you know, or jumps out of the gym, then yeah, go ahead, pull the trigger. I think you'll get the top wide receiver at 10 unless Atlanta trades Ridley. So Richie, your thoughts on receiver uh, at 10. Yeah. Give me Jalen Burke. Uh, give me Traylon Burks. Give me Garrett Wilson. Give me maybe Lund. Um, I really feel like, there's so many options for the Jets to go in this wide receiver group. I feel like this is the one position that, like, there's three different ways that they could go about this mm-hmm. because of the receivers that are available in the trade market, because of the the draft position that we have at number 10, luckily, because of that Jamal Adams trade um, and the free agents that are available. 
Um, so I would love the Jets to draft one at 10. And I feel like a broken record at this point. But if we don't draft one at 10, I would love to trade one of those second round picks for a guy in like Ridley or Cooper. Matt, your thoughts on receiver at 10. Love it. That's my preferred plan for the 10th pick. Um, my guy is Traylon Burks. I would also be okay with Garrett Wilson. And depending on what happens this week, maybe Drake London. But he is a distant third for me right now. Shavanchu drops in with another super chat, says, just want Zach to be spoiled on offense, please. Yeah, we've seen so many situations where our quarterback has just floundered because we haven't surrounded him with talent. So we've got the running back in Michael Carter. We've got Elijah Moore in place. we got to get a tight end. we got to get another receiver. Uh, and hopefully we bring back Coleman. And then Corey Davis hopefully can be a, a little bit of a staple there for, for a little bit of time. Uh, Richie, you think the plan is to surround Zach with as much offensive firepower as possible? Is that priority one this offseason? Yes, I made a whole video on my channel, and I said Joe Douglas's number one priority must be this. And the entire topic was to spoil Zach Wilson, where he walks out there in the field, and he's like, wow, this is great. My life is phenomenal. I don't know who to put the ball to. Is it Garrett Wilson? Is it Elijah Moore? Is it Berrios, who just got a nice contract? Is it Dalton Schultz? Is it McBride? I mean, I just want Zach Wilson to walk out there with as many opportunities. And my mindset with it is really where we should make sure that Zach Wilson has no excuses to the point where he's not the franchise guy. That's where I'm looking at it because the whole Sam Darnold situation is very interesting. We know that he's not a good quarterback because we saw him with, with the Panthers. But at the time, we were saying, like, oh, well, Sam doesn't have a lot of things around him. So it's kind of like we didn't understand if we had a guy or not. At this point, I want to surround Zach Wilson with so much talent and protection to the point where – it's on Zach Wilson to prove if he's the guy or not. Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about spoiling Zach on offense? Not so good. I, I really want to draft Kyle Hamilton in fourth overall. So, <laughs> oh, so take uh, defense at 10, right? You weren't saying anything about yeah. receiver at 10. No, um, it, it's so important to know if Zach Wilson is your guy. And like Richie said, like you just don't want any built-in excuses there. Like You want it to be, yeah, but going into year three. You want to know like for sure if he's your guy so yeah spoil him yeah I, I like the way richie put that a lot the the whole idea of not having excuses because every year we go into the offseason it's like okay we're high on zach or high on sam darnold after year one he had that great packers game he ended the season strong you know here we go and then you know Le'Veon bell kind of flops we don't fix the offensive line we go out and we sign cj mosley and like <laughs> we don't we do we just kind of flounder around uh yeah building around making it so you don't have any excuses for your young quarterback so you know definitively going into year three, do we have a guy or do you wind up pulling the ripcord and going after someone else depending on you know how he performed? Did he play so bad that you don't think he is going to improve? Now, realistically, I think we have him for the next two years. I think we will see a nice step up. Um, but I think, like these guys said, it is so important to know what you have in Zach Wilson after next year. Um, square-headed Jets fan drops in with a super chat, says, hoping for Thibodeau at four, Wilson at 10, Zion at 35, Brandon Smith at 38, Ruckert at 30, uh, at 69. That would be incredible. Um, so let me just go through this real quick. Thibodeau four, Wilson 10, love it. Zion 35, I like it. Brandon Smith, outside linebacker, edge rusher, Penn State, is that right? Uh, just regular linebacker. Linebacker, okay. Um... Yeah, I love it. Linebacker with Ruckert at 69. Ru Ruckert, for me, if I could get him, if I know where I'm pretty confident he's going to be there at 69, 
then I'm that's where I want to take him. I don't want to pull the trigger on him in the second round, but I kind of like, I think maybe I'm just scaring myself <laughs> that like, I think McBride may go beginning around one and like, I don't want to lose out on the jet fan and Ruckert, uh, you know, to jet fan. yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, I want, I want to see the guy in green and white just because like, I do think the upside is there. I think he's talented. I think, you know, he'd be worthy of the the third round pick for sure. Um, my concern is that maybe he just goes a little too high. Maybe he shows out in the combine, the pro day, and then all of a sudden, you know, now we got to spend a second round pick on him when I thought we were getting value on him in the third round. Uh, so Richie, what do you think about square headed Jets fans mock right here? Yeah, I feel like we got to make sure we do not cut GVR because of that Long Island jet connection as well. No, <laughs> Please, for um, the love of God, don't take that too seriously. But yeah, I feel like Thibodeau at four, uh, Wilson at 10. That's great. I love that four and 10. Zion Johnson at 35. That's a home run if we can get Zion Johnson at 35 without getting an offensive line in the first round. You get your starting right guard. You get a wide receiver. You're building around Zach. And then you get a linebacker for uh, Robert Sala to deal with. And then you miss out on McBride in the second round, but you get the Long Island Jets fan in the third round who's going to be a beast. Um, in all seriousness, no, Jeremy Ruckert's going to be a beast. I feel like he's one of the most slept-on tight ends in this draft class, and I'm really excited to see where he goes. Hopefully he's to the Jets, but we'll never know until April whatever. So uh, I like this hypothetical scenario for sure. Matt, your thoughts on this mock draft? I like it. Um, I don't think Ruckert makes it to the third round, though. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I feel like... No, I'm feeling the I same feel like, way. I don't know. I think he's the second tight end off the board, and I feel like he can go in the top 50. Yeah, that's the concern, I think. I think we probably need Weidemeyer to show out a little bit at the... I don't know if he's at the combo. I haven't paid attention to, to him. I don't know if want him. It doesn't seem I, like anyone wants him. Like It, it yeah. feels like it's McBride, Ruckert, and then... like you know, Jake Ferguson, just because those are the guys that were on our, our senior bowl <laughs> roster. But there's something to be said for our defensive minded head coach going against a tight end that he has to defensively game plan for. I think there's, uh, you know, more than, than just the guys on our roster. I would say looking at the guys on our roster is definitely a good first step for sure. Uh, or that we're on our roster. Um, Matt, did I get your thoughts on this, uh, lineup here? I know I, you were saying Ruckert, but I don't know if you, you mentioned the other guys. Oh, the the rest that yeah, the rest I think is fine. Um, I like Brandon Smith a lot. Um, I think he's gonna his stock is gonna rise this week. He was kind of right around like a top forty, and then I feel like he dropped a little bit. But I think his athleticism is gonna show this week. Mutt Files drops in with a super chat. Thank you so much, multivitamins. He says, "Hey, three guys I was wondering would be an option to trade for." Uh, first, C.J. Henderson. Second, Josh Allen, the defensive end down in Jacksonville. Third, uh, Foster Moreau, the tight end. Also, Jets will be in the playoffs this season. That would be fantastic. But I just want to see our picture in the hunt in December. Yep. And there's three wildcard teams. So, like, you can, you gotta be there. <laughs> Please. I just, I don't, I don't need to get in. I just want to, like, be in the hunt. I want to see some meaningful games in November. I felt like this season was over, you know, just six weeks into the season. And it's super frustrating. Um, okay. Three guys that could be an option to trade for. All right. Let me let me, let me me go through this. I got to pull up the, the over the cap real quick because I don't know what contracts are looking like. And Henderson was traded to the Panthers. Is that right? Yes. Somewhere. I think that's right. I'm pretty sure that's where he wound up. Um, 
So his con yeah, he's on the Panthers. So his contract, he is 24 this upcoming yeah. season. So 24 and 25 years old. If traded, um, his salary cap hits would be 2.5 and 3.5 million dollars. So what are you going to be giving up for a former top 10 overall pick that was just traded? Um, I don't. Do you remember what the Jaguars gave or got in return for Henderson? I don't know off the top of my head. No, I don't remember either. Um, and let's see, Josh Allen, he is going into his fourth season. He was the same year as Quinn and Williams. Um, I would say the only way Josh Allen gets traded would be they are uh, the Jaguars take an edge rusher at one. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they try to protect um, – Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, their two first-round picks from last year. Um, so I don't think Josh Allen's going anywhere. And then, let's see, Foster, Moreau, is that Raiders? Is that yeah. Right? Okay. He's the guy filled in for Waller. Yeah, my so one of my best friends is a diehard Raiders fan, and he loves Moreau. So I would have no problem with this. He's going into the final year of his contract. He was a fourth-round pick. If traded... Uh, he would be a $2.5 million cap hit. Um, the tough thing is I don't want to trade for a tight end. That's my big issue because I, there's enough in free agency that are like stop gaps, and there's so many good ones in this draft. There's no point in giving up a draft pick for a tight end of any sort of value. Uh, so I don't know what Moreau would go for, but if it's higher than a third, uh, or if it's a third or higher, I would say absolutely not. Uh, Richie, your thoughts on these three players? Yeah, I don't think the Jets should trade for a tight end either, um, mm-hmm. unless we're like trading Daniel Brown away and then he gets cut and then he comes back or something like crazy like that again. I don't know how that happened. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, I don't think the Jets should uh, trade for a tight end simply because, like you said, the options in free agency, the options in the draft is endless. And I'd rather not sacrifice capital for a guy when you can um, do it for free. Not necessarily free, but you know what I mean. And then when it comes mm-hmm. to C.J. Henderson, I think that's definitely um, – it's an option. I feel like the Jets need to make sure that they uh, look at every single avenue. They need to make sure the trade market is, um, you know, looked upon of the, what positions do we need? Cornerback is a need. Um, you know, all the positions that he laid out, edge rusher, tight end. So definitely reach out to these teams, see what the asking price is. But um, I feel like there's other routes for the Jets to go in the quarterback room besides trading for a guy in CJ Henderson who just got moved. I don't see the Panthers trading for him, uh, trading away from him after giving up a third round pick. You know, what would we have to give up? You know, a fourth-round pick? You know, like, I don't really see that happening from the Panthers' side of things. And then Josh Allen, yeah, I don't really see the, the Jaguars moving off from him unless they just don't feel like they're going to pay him or, like you said, Ryan, they uh, draft an edge rusher at number one. Matt, how are you feeling about these three players? Um, I don't think really – I don't know a ton of about Foster Moreau, uh, but with C.J. Henderson and Josh Allen, I don't think either of those guys are really candidates to move. Mm-hmm. I think you're I think you're spot on. That's that's kind of where I think all of us wound up landing. Uh Jared drops in with the super chat says, Love the show, guys. Keep up the good work. Also, Dotson and Alave aren't getting enough love. You'll see after the combine, both are gonna run four three. I really like Dotson. The the three of us like Dotson. Uh if he's there in the second round, I think all three of us would at least think about it. Uh, you know, taking him depending on how we've handled the the wide receiver room. Alave for me. I guess I need to watch more of him. I don't know what it is about 
the Ohio State guys, but I, I think maybe just like watching Justin Fields perform poorly like this past year sort of jaded me from like Ohio State, like just players in general, not just like, you know, not just wide receivers. But I, sh- I got to get over that because there's plenty of good wide receivers that have come out of Ohio State. Um, Devin Smith. And I re- yeah, I, I like McLaurin. <laughs> I, well, yeah, no, not Devin Smith, but <laughs> McLaurin I love. But I like, you know, there, there, there are good receivers that have come out of uh, Ohio State. And I would say my thought process is more, I would like a bigger-bodied receiver like a Burks or a London uh, or a Pickens or, or, you know, someone along that kind of vein. Um, and then if I had to go with someone that's a little bit smaller, I would prefer probably a Wilson to, to a Lave. But uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what winds up happening this draft. Richie, any thoughts on Dotson or Alave? Yeah, I love them both. I feel like um, Alave is not really going to be a Jet. Um, I think he's going to go early, uh, late first round potentially. Um, but, you know, the big question is, and someone mentioned in the chat that I was going to say is, you know, the thing about Dotson is he's very similar to Elijah Moore in terms of size. I do want to get a, a big body guy like a Traylon Burks that will complement Elijah Moore a little better instead of getting someone that's kind of a similar style. But at the same time, Dotson's speed is something you don't want to miss out on. And uh, if we do not draft the receiver in the first round, if we don't trade for one and we're on the clock in the second round and Dotson's there, sign me up. Matt, your thoughts on Dotson and Olave? I think they are both really good receivers and they're like right around the end of my top five wide receivers in this class. Um, I like them both. I think they're going to go either at the back end of round one or early in round two. Um, I like Olave a little bit better than Dotson. Uh, I think Olave's more NFL ready uh, based on just what he, what he did at the collegiate level. But um, Dotson's a good prospect too. I think I don't really see either of these guys as jets. Uh, I, I think you're probably more likely to see one of the bigger names if they're gonna draft somebody um but i think they're you know pretty solid prospects uh austin berry drops in with a super chat thank you so much austin he says i've been saying this wilson is the number one wide receiver uh we're kind of at a weird impasse of like you know Traylon burks feels like the debo samuel he's the bigger body receiver that's going to be different from what we have on the roster but I think all of us feel like Garrett Wilson is a very good wide receiver. He could be wide receiver 1B uh, or you know wide receiver 2. I don't think you can go wrong with really any of these three guys, depending on what your cup of tea is. It's, it's all you know in the eye of the beholder, if you will. Uh, I saw this earlier in the chat. June Smith says, dream scenario, trade for Ridley, sign Njoku, Marcus Williams, Justin Reed, Stefan Gilmore, and draft Thibodeau, Kenyon Moore, McBride, and Watson. Yeah, that would be incredible. Um, but what are you getting Ridley for? Are you giving up a second-round pick in this scenario, and you're saying Watson's the third-round pick, I think? That would be what it looks like. Um, yeah, look, I would sign up for this all day and twice any day of the week. Um, Richie, your thoughts on this dream scenario? Yeah, so we get our tight end, Njoku, who pairs up with McBride, so the tight end room is solved. Uh, we throw the bag at Marcus Williams. We get a nice safety and Justin Reed as well. Stefan Gilmore, you know, that's a veteran corner that will come in here and, you know, uh, he's definitely got a lot of juice left in the tank. He was one of the best corners in the NFL at one point. Um, and then getting Kenny Moore starting right guard. I mean, you really just fill all the holes of need in this scenario. So, I mean, how can you say no to this? Matt, your thoughts on this dream scenario by June Smith? 
Uh, I think it's pretty solid. Um, I'm not a huge uh, Njoku fan. I think he's a little bit overrated. I think there's uh, a lot of potential there, but uh, he hasn't really proved enough. He's been a little too inconsistent for my taste. So I wouldn't necessarily call him like my dream scenario, but um, I, if the Jets came away with this group, uh, it's hard to be disappointed. So I got two comments that are close in the same vein with one another. Brian Regan says, never really got an answer to the question. Best pick at number four, if Icky, Thibodeau, and Hutchinson are gone, you all agree, Neil, uh, he is not a run blocker. Seems like an expensive insurance option for Becton. Uh, it seemed like Matt was a little more on board with Neil than maybe Richie and I were. Um, but then it follows up with Nick. Nick says, what should the Jets do if they sign, let's say, James McDaniels, a Lake and Tomlinson? Uh, basically a guard in free agency, and then both edge rushers are drafted before the fourth pick. So you're not looking at a Kwanu or Neal at this point. Um, I think this is a situation where you have to look at one of Sauce Gardner or Kyle Hamilton or trade down. Those are the three options, and I probably, if I had to rank them, depending on how far back you're looking to go, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it would be Sauce or trade down for me first, um, it probably depends what the compensation is. And then I would say Hamilton, if you can't trade down, would be my pick. Uh, Richie, your thoughts on what the Jets should do if we solve guard in free agency? Yeah, I think this is like the only scenario where I'll be okay with the Jets taking Hamilton. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I would not be shocked if the Jets take an edge rusher here, like that they mm -hmm. fall in love with like a Jermaine Johnson or maybe you know, Walker, they fall in love with her Carl Loftus. I mean, you never know because it's such a big need for this defensive line and they're just basing on the board. And it does stink if they try to trade back and then get an edge rusher, that's obviously way, you know, that's way that's smarter for them to do. Um, but if this is the scenario, um, this is my biggest question of like, what the hell is going to happen? I can tell the Jets fans in the chat are asking the same question. It's really interesting. And I feel like the free agency is really going to answer these questions. So if the, if the right guard is solved in free agency, and then we're going to the draft, and both the edge rushers are gone. It's either they take the best next edge rusher on their board or they go best player available, which is Hamilton or Sauce, um, in my opinion. So, Matt, I want to get your thoughts real quick, and then I'll jump over to Terrence's super chat. Uh, what do you do at four if both edge rushers are off the board and you solved guard in free agency? Um, I would say either um, Karloftis or Johnson, whichever one of the two you like better. Maybe Sauce Gardner. At, at four, but um, I, I think, I, I guess ideally trade back, but if trade back is not an option, then I would say whichever edge um, you like better between Carl Loftus or Jermaine Johnson. Terrence drops in with a super chat. Terrence says, why not just go the 2010 Pats route and draft McBride and Ruckert? Just not a fan of giving Schultz the bag, spend money elsewhere like Williams. Uh, Matt, I'm going to ask you to jump over to last week's, or sorry, two weeks ago stream. Uh, we're going to pick okay. some qualifiers from that. Uh, and let's see. So why could you go the route of drafting two tight ends? I think you definitely could, but I don't think I would go where you would need to go for these guys. You'd either have to spend both seconds on them or a second and a third on uh, McBride and Ruckert. So I wouldn't do that. But if you wanted to, say, go with McBride at the top of the second uh, and then maybe look for someone in, like, the fourth or fifth round, I think that's fine with me. But I would prefer a vet paired with a veteran. I kind of like the idea of having someone like a uh, George Fant draft a Mackay Becton, a uh, sign Corey Davis, a draft an Elijah Moore, bring in 
uh, Tevin Coleman draft Michael Carter. Like that kind of dynamic that they have going of young guy, old guy. No, I shouldn't say young guy, old guy, but young guy, vet guy. Um, Richie, what are your thoughts on going the Pats route and double dipping at tight end? Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, the two positions that are the biggest need for the Jets, I want them to do exactly what you just said, is sign one a free agency and draft one, which is both a safety and a tight end. I would love both starting safeties to be a brand new duo of a, a free agent and a safety um, from the draft, whether that's uh, in the second, third, fourth, maybe in first. Um, and then same with the tight end. I think you know Schultz is a guy that I would like to throw the bag at, but it's obvious that it's not guaranteed that he becomes a Jet. We become enamored by all these top free agents, and most likely he doesn't even want to come to the Jets. So then you got to go to plan B, and there's other t- tight ends in the market um, that you can potentially sign for less money, um, and you can bring in a vet, and then you sign, uh, draft one in the second round. So um, when it comes to drafting two tight ends, though, going the Patriots route, um, you know, the inexperience is something that I feel like would not be good. I feel like they would also have to get a veteran that's, like, really cheap in order for this to work, like maybe like another version of Pavel Croft, which kind of was terrible. So I don't know how that's going to work. Um, but the only way you can survive with two rookie tight ends is if you have some type of veteran in the building that can make sure that they're grounding themselves because relying on two inexperienced uh, rookies is never a good thing. Jared drops in the Super Chat says, we are underestimating how much the staff values character, work ethic, etc. versus talent. Will they pass on talent for their blue uh, for their player blueprint? Um, this is interesting. So we have targeted captains. That is generally how we wind up drafting. It's guys that are leaders of their college teams that we try to bring in and try to, you know, fix up the, the internal chemistry within the locker room. Uh, I do think that the Jets will scratch players that are talented off their list because they don't have their player blueprint for sure. Um, I do think there is some type of scale. Like you, it's not just a a black and white area. If you have something that's like, hey, this guy isn't quite the leader, but you know maybe he's two or three down, but his talent is so much higher than where your guy is, then you're gonna. I think you're gonna select him. Um, but if a guy has a serious character concern, I think they will scratch the talented player off the board, and I think that might be a concern with Thibodeau possibly, uh, with why we're seeing him drop down some draft boards. So maybe he's not an option for the New York Jets. Uh, Matt, I want to kick this one over to you. What do you think about the Jets passing on talent to get the kind of uh, player they want? Yeah, it's definitely a, a possibility. Um, I don't think we, I don't think there's any really good way to know that right now because the this the two of these guys have only had one draft together, so I think we'll have a better idea after a year or two. Um, but like you just mentioned, Thibodeau, like his interviews are going to be huge for him this week. That's the biggest thing for him. It's not his on-field performance at the combine. Everyone knows he's good. It's if he has the mentality up here and if he's going to, you know, interview well. And uh, so I, I think that's a big part of it. I agree with you guys. Oh, look at our buddy Ali in the chat. He says, yes, sir. I don't know what he's talking about earlier, but yo, what's up, Ali? Uh, what up, Ali? Good stuff. All right. Matt, I'm going to have you read off some names. Right now, I have Hunter Kaiser, Ant Jets, Braden Bathway, Thomas Cahill, Gitmo Bob, Kevin Chatta, Devin Gerard, uh, J.E., Iowan Jets fan, and Jets World as our qualifiers for our T-shirt giveaway. Matt, give me five names from the last Talking Jets panel. Okay, we're going Professor Penguin. I love it. We are going Mike, Mike T. Okay. We are going... G-E-O. Okay. Uh, J-Paw 4421. 
Okay. And what do you mean no football? <laughs> I love it. No football. Okay. We're going to do a little bit of odds or even. So, boys, get your hands ready. Three, two, one. Three, four, five, six. That's a one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Six. We're scratching off the evens. I have to make sound effects when I scratch them off. Otherwise, it doesn't actually scratch off. Uh, all right. Three, <laughs> two, one. Odds. All right. All right. So we're down to Braden Bathwaite, David Gerard, Professor Penguin, and what do you mean no football? Three, two, one. 10, 12. God, math gets harder as you get older. Uh, gone. <laughs> gone. All right, we're down to two more. Chat, give us a number. Uh, first number that pops up, and then the three of us will give our numbers as well. Three, two, one. 9, 10, 11. What we got in the chat? <laughs> 11. Eminon says Ryan can count to 21. Oh, shit, what did we have? We had an, Do we have an odd number or an even number? Plus a six. 11. What did I just say? 17. I had a, 17 was the total? Yeah. All right. Man, words are hard. All right, Braden Bathwaite, you are our T-shirt giveaway winner for tonight's uh, T-shirt giveaway. So reach out to me on social media or Gmail or something like that, and I'll get your shipping information. I'll send you out a T-shirt. Uh, but, guys, we have reached the end of our stream. I want to go around our panel, give our closing thoughts, and see what these guys are up to. Richie, thank you so much for jumping on tonight. Let these guys know where they can find you and let us know what you got going on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be on the panel. I appreciate you reaching out to me, Ryan. Always a pleasure as well to interact with all the Jets fans in the chat. We have the best fan base in the entire world. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say, like, there's no other community on uh, in the NFL other than Jets fans on Jets Twitter, on Jets YouTube, on Instagram. We're just so passionate, and it really speaks volume to how awesome this fan base is. And I'm really thankful to be part of this community, meeting people like Ryan, like Matt, like everybody in the chat, like people who subscribe to my channel. It means a lot to me. It's so much fun just talking Jets. And uh, pleasure to have you. Uh, pleasure to be on the show. And if you guys want to check out my content, you guys know where to find me at Jets Media, posting a lot of uh, awesome stuff over there. I appreciate it. And Richie's and Matt's channels are down below in the description. So make sure you head over there and sub up if you have not subbed up. What the hell are you doing? You better sub up. Matt, any closing thoughts for us? Love talking with you guys. It's our time, just like we said earlier at the top of the show, free agency a couple weeks, draft coming up. So ton of content going on at Matt O'Leary NY on all socials, Matt O'Leary NY on YouTube. Really appreciate it if you guys follow along. Austin Berry dropped in with a last second super chat, says tight end, sign Hurst, Dwelly, Draft McBride, Ruckert in the third round. He's all sorts of tight end fired up. Thank you so much, Austin. Guys, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you. My name's Ryan. This has been Talking Jets. I'll see you guys next week. This is Jets Talk signing off. J-E-T-S. Jets.